We are going to get right into it. If you want to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy, the first chapter, in verse 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray quickly for this service. God, you are good and you are holy. Let your perfect and mighty will be done. Nothing more and nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So for a few minutes, I want to talk about my topic of what if he does. Okay? The definition of fear is feeling worry about the possible results of a particular situation. An instance of emotion to fear the worst profound reverence and awe, especially towards God. To not know. Now there are many kinds of fear. There is fear of health. There is fear in your finances. There is fear of change. There is fear for your life. But God is bigger than fear. Amen? Hallelujah. And he does not want fear to control us. Can you put up Isaiah 41 and 10, please? It says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. You could stop right there at the beginning of that verse. Fear not, I am with thee. Amen. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Fear should not control us, our families, or our lives, but there are certain times to be fearful. Close calls on the road. Amen. That situation with your health or someone that you dearly care about that might not be going so well. Pastor Herring, big brown bears at the bottom of your tree stand right at dark when you're about ready to walk back to your four-wheeler, okay? Those things are natural in our lives. And we know the opposite of fear is faith, amen, which we are all given by God. Romans 12 and 3, the latter half, says God has dealt every man a measure of faith, amen. And it is up to us to grow that measure of faith into something powerful. What would happen if we replaced all the fear in our life with faith? Most of us would become prayer warriors. We would see drastic changes in our lives and in other lives. Amen. What if we just trusted God completely? If we didn't let the things of this world consume us? What if we let fear and depression just not control our lives? What if? In our family, we have a policy, I like to call it. We don't play the what if game. Mom, dad, what if you lost your jobs? What if the doctor says he can't help us? What if we got in a car crash? What if our plane got in a crash? Well, what if, what if, what if, what if that doesn't happen? Amen. 
We don't play the what-if game. I don't think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in uh, Daniel chapter 3, 17 and 18, and I'm just going to kind of blow through this, I'm pretty sure they weren't in the mindset of, well, I spoke up now saying, I'm not going to bow to this golden idol. I'm not going to pray to this. Go ahead, toss me in the fiery furnace. And I'm telling you, when they said, you know what, you can throw us in there. And if our God delivers us, that's going to be awesome. But if he does not, Brother Joe, because I know you've talked about this, if he doesn't, I'm going to praise him anyways. Amen. Hallelujah. And when you skip down uh, to 3 and 25, the king looks in the door, right, of this fiery furnace, and he goes, wait a minute. I put three in there. Now there's four men walking. You want to know why? Because they took the fear away, and they stepped out in faith and says, you know what? My God is bigger than any situation. It doesn't matter something small, or if you're being tossed into a fiery furnace, our God is able. Amen? Hallelujah. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, he knows that the king has signed this petition. Okay? Guess what he did first thing after that? He went in, opened up his window, and he started praying. Even though he knew, if I do this, I'm going to be thrown into the lion's den. Amen? I'm telling you, that's stepping out in faith. That's not letting fear control you. If you know your God is able... It doesn't matter what the world tries to place in front of you, amen? And guess what? Daniel came out perfectly fine. God sent an angel. He protected him. He clo closed the mouth of the lions, and it was all perfectly fine, amen? That's the God that we serve. When you get thrown into a den of lions, when you get thrown into a fiery furnace, you have a God on your side that is able to get you through that, amen? Hallelujah. Let me see. So, Matthew 14, 22 through 29, please. It says, <clears throat> Then was the king... Nope, I'm sorry. I messed that up. Please forgive me. All right, we'll just skip through that right there. There we go. Amen. That's what I was looking for. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he did, sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain to a part to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went down to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is, a, is it a spirit? And they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid." And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, one word, come. 
And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Amen. See, the wind was against them, but the word was with them. The devil did not cause the storm, but Jesus sent them directly into the storm. What if there is something on the other side that is worth going through the storm to get to? Amen. Hallelujah. When everything around you in your life is chaos, put your trust in God. Amen. You might think there is no way out, but he will do what he says he is going to do. Our physical situation and spiritual situation might look impossible right now to overcome. But the Bible tells me in Mark 11 and 23, it says, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall be, or excuse me, he shall have whatsoever he saith. You want to know how to get mountain moving faith, amen? Know that God can do anything. John 3 and 30, he must increase and I must decrease. Romans 8 and 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says, if my people, which are called by my name, the power in the name of Jesus is above and beyond anything that this world can offer you. He said, if my people, and you know when you go down in that tank and you receive the Holy Ghost, you are his people. So if he says, if my people, oh, hallelujah, I'm telling you, there is power in that name. Amen. Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder that diligently seek him. Amen. It's hard sometimes not to think about the what ifs in a negative way. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. Amen. He wants you to think about, what if I fail? Well, what if you don't? He wants you to think about, what if I can't pay my bill? Well, what if you can? It's very easy to let the devil get into our what ifs in our mind, amen? I think sometimes it's harder to put faith into our what ifs than it is to put fear into our what ifs. Amen. Just like the wind can blow two directions. It can blow this way or it can blow that way. So can my what ifs. They can either blow into the direction of my God is able and he will deliver me and he will supply all my needs or it can blow over here and say, I don't know. I mean, I know that my God is able, but is he going to be able to do it right now? Amen. And I just want you to remember, sometimes God will give you things in your life. He'll give you trials. There is going to be situations, but 
He will never give you anything that you cannot handle. Amen. The Bible tells you that. Jesus would not have told Peter to step out of the boat and defy all the laws of physics if he didn't think that he could do it. He's not going to call you out of the boat into a crazy situation if he doesn't think that you can handle it. Amen. Hallelujah. So take that fear and turn it into faith. Take the devil's what if and turn it into, I know my God can get me through this. Amen. He will provide and he will heal. If God put it in you, whatever the situation is, he also gave you the power to get through it. Amen. So just remember in all this life, all the chaos, all the crazy stuff, what if he does? Amen. Oh, right. Amen, bro. You don't have to stand because you've already done that, but I'm reading a text today, and I'm well aware of the time. Um, it's potluck Sunday. I'll do my best to move as quickly as possible, but I don't think praying people are really worried about a lot right now. Thank you, Brother Dave, for your remarks on faith versus fear. Very true. Very, very true. Jesus said in Mark 10, 19, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Can I get an amen? Don't kill. That really means don't do murder. Can I get an amen? Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat. And honor your parents. Now, Jesus said some really straight stuff there. He said, you already know that, though. You know the commandments. And verse 19, he answered and said unto him, Master, all of these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him, beholding him. Loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. One thing thou lackest. And I want to talk about the one thing, Brother Scott. The one thing. He's all positive this morning. I've already turned the corner, going around 180. Let me begin by saying this, Lord, and I pray you'll give me mercy in my particular position. If my life boils down to just having one problem, I feel pretty good about that. But I know that's a cop-out. Because life is full of little things that, Brother Paul, I should be tending to on a regular basis in my, in my own life. That's what's peculiar to me about people who always want to point out to Sister Herring or I your flaws. And I always tell people, now, do you realize I am that person's pastor also? And I love them as much as I love you. So when you want to tell me bad stuff about them, I think it's only fair that we either get them on the phone or we bring them in the room. So that they're able to say, but you don't understand the whole story. Can I get a witness from somebody? 
Life's so full of little things, it keeps me busy. But there's always that one weightier matter in every one of our lives. The most prayerful among us has the one thing. The most preacher-authenticated, anointed man or woman of God has the one thing. You know, the fly in their ointment. It's always a little rock in their personal shoe. It might be anger, unforgiveness. It might be lust. It might be greed. There's always something a little heavier in my life for me to deal with personally than all the little things. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. But there's always, I mean, I mean, why did Lot's wife, she had one charge. Why did she just, why? I don't get it. All she had to do was walk away. And Jesus said, this is not on your, on your notes, Brother Scott, but in Luke 17, 32, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. So let me change here before I get too deep into this channel. Success is a sweet sounding word, isn't it? Just to say success feels good rolling off the tongue. Success. There's nothing like a good success story. Rags to riches. Bottom of the barrel to the top of the heap. Unfortunately, we often define success in big things. Like money. Or the final score of a basketball game. Success. But really, isn't everybody... Doesn't everyone, I should say, have areas in their life that they're successful at? Maybe you pray more than I do, or maybe you study more than I do, or maybe you're a better human being than they are. Maybe you're kinder to strangers than I am. Everybody has reasons to celebrate some area of success in their life. Someone said there's some good in every person, and you might not see it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. Well, if I didn't know better, and I do, but if I didn't know better, I would say that our text was written for a man that I want to talk about today named Uzziah. Uzziah was one of those literally launched into the limelight, seemingly like overnight, a nobody to an everybody. He was unknown, and tomorrow morning you wake up and he's on the lips of everybody in the community. At 16 years of age, Uzziah was made the king of Judah. 16 years of age. Now, I don't mean any offense to your precious angels. I mean no personal attack against your family name, but there's very few 16-year-olds that has the wisdom to govern their own life, much less a community and a country. At 16 years old, he's launched into the limelight, and 2 Chronicles 26 Verse 4 and 5 said, Uzziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and he prospered. He was prospered. I mean 16 years old and he's 
up there hitting home runs off the greatest pitcher in, the, in Major League Baseball. Look at the first four words of verse 7 of 2 Chronicles 26. And God helped him. Hey, where would we be today if God wasn't helping us, huh? Where would any of us be today if God weren't meddling in our life with help? I'll tell you where I'd be, Brother Paul. I'd be lost. I'd be strung out. I'd be in a graveyard somewhere. I'd be doing the wrong thing today if it weren't for God interrupting my life and helping me along the way. Someone said, well, you were just born with a golden spoon in your mouth. Yeah, let me, let me just bend your ear a while, all right? You don't want to get me started there. God helped him. If you enjoy any good in your life today, it's because God is helping you every day, everywhere. And here's this young guy, and God is helping him, prospering him, directing his way. I, I just want to say it again. We need the help of God today. If you're going to succeed in anything, relationships, finances, health, community, your job, we need the help of God today. You can't do it alone. Victory after victory. The nation of Judah enjoyed it because of Uzziah's consecration, because of his respect for the things of God. Oh, la, 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 la. Do I want to go down that path or not? Unfortunately, the ministry in 2023 has, has uh, relaxed everything about the deity of the house of God. We've casualized church now. We don't come to the house of God anymore and get an overwhelming awe or inspiring presence of God felt in our life. We're relaxed about everything. We're casual about the way we dress, the way we approach God. We've casualized church. And I'm not bragging about that. It's our fault. I'm saying we shouldn't have. Because God is holy. God has always been holy. And God will always be holy. I don't know if you're ready for me today or not. Hallelujah. But the Bible said when Israel came and God told Moses, come up on the mountain. I want to talk to you. And he said, don't let the people even touch the mountain. And you know what God said? Tell them to wash their clothes. It's not a casual place to be in the presence of God. It is a sacred place to be in the presence of God. It is a holy place to be in the presence of God. Victory after victory, they enjoyed it. And verse 8 of 2 Chronicles 26 says his name, Uzziah's name, was spread abroad. His influence was growing. And it says he strengthened himself. Like David in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, he encouraged himself. 1 Samuel 18, he behaved himself. 2 Samuel 12, he anointed himself. When are you going to preach good enough to get me encouraged, Pastor? There's some of this is your responsibility, you know that? you got to encourage yourself. You have to... Look what we just read from verses 4 to 8 of 2 Chronicles 26. Uzziah did the right thing. He did the right thing. God helped him. He became renowned. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. You want to talk about a success story. History tells us, and I quote, 
that Uzziah built great defenses by training and equipping in an army second to none. Verse 10 of 2 Chronicles 26 said in the bottom of that verse, he loved husbandry. That means farming. He loved the agriculturist. Farms in his era, his tenure, prospered. Commercial wells were dug. Vineyards were planted. And verse 15 said he was helped marvelously. Look down at the end of that verse. He was marvelously helped. Webster said marvelously means the highest form of superior quality. So Uzziah was helped by God through the highest form of superior quality. God was taking Uzziah's life and ministry personal. And we come to church like, yeah, so what? I am what I am, preacher. So what? I go to Fred Meyer like this. Why can't I come to church like this? Who cares? Fifty-two years of achievement after achievement in his ministry. Fifty-two years. He was the Chamber of Commerce poster child year in and year out. He truly was. You ready for this? Don't know if there's ever been one since. But he truly was a politician of the people. He invested in Judah. In his farmland. In his wells, he was a politician that had the welfare of his people on his mind. Say that about today's Washington version. But look at the last four words of verse 15 and the first five words of verse 16. Till he was strong. Verse 16. But when he was strong, but when he was strong, helping, investing, prospering, growing, God helping him, God blessing him, God returning his investments many, many times over back into his hand. Until one day he just says, oh. Why do I have to pray so much to get another message ready? I'm tired. And church became casual. I'm in your Bible right now. I, I, I know, see, I'm glad you started this off with such positive reinforcement, brother. People say, I know what you're going through, Pastor. You'd have no idea. This dude is a walking success story. He has every reason to be optimistic. Raise his kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But he gets comfortable. He gets lazy. He gets relaxed. Good people make bad choices. You know that, right? Good praying men make negative choices once in a while. That's why it's so important you pray for your pastor and leadership in the church because hey, I, I can turn the corner towards the dark side quicker than any of you. But when he was strong, kind of like that dude in Luke's gospel, 
He looked out and said, eat, drink, and be merry. Hey, soul, take your comfort. Uzziah was strong and blessed and prospered. And people loved him. The community was revived. And he just got up one day and said, I'm tired. I just don't want to push so hard anymore. Tired of raising this family. Tired of providing for everybody else. Too real for some of you today, I guess. His heart was lifted up to his destruction. There is the one thing that Uzziah should have dealt with in his life. It lays dormant in almost all of our hearts until certain conditions present themselves. It's more prevalent, in my opinion, get all up in feathers about it if you want, but it's more obvious in men than it is women. I'm not saying women don't have pride. We men, we most of us were lectured by an authority. Pride of do everything with pride. And I, I get it. I get it. And Uzziah had all of this good going for him. I, I'm sure if there were authors in his community, they wrote books about this dude. But when he got strong, and he said, you know, it can just carry itself. I don't need to work so hard. Pride came in. Someone said, and I quote, it's not how you handle being poor that defines your character, but how you handle success. Some people get a raise on the job, they quit coming to church Wednesday nights. Yeah, that's not about right, that's exactly right. Some people get blessed here or get blessed there, all of a sudden they don't pray as much. There's, my wife has a little caption whatever you call them things, bored on the wall, little saying, bored. It says, I remember the days when I used to pray for the things that I have now. He got all those things, Brother Carl, and he just said, eat, drink, and be merry. He got comfortable, he got bored, and in the rest of this story in Second Chronicles 26, he begins to think he can cross the lines of professions. He's a political man, with great influence and great success. He's got a pedigree second to none. But now he starts looking in the ministry. Yeah. I could do it better than Pastor Herring. I could do it better than Sister Herring. I could do it better than this one or that one. So he starts to dabble or push himself into areas that he doesn't belong. Just because, and I, I'm not saying it's there, but just because... You don't like the way I do this or the way I do that. That doesn't mean your idea is better. Oh, my. We are, we are pastoring this morning, aren't we? Since when did church have to be a bunch of rose petals being tossed out? I don't like church like that. I want preachers to tell me, give it to me, gun barrel straight what I need to hear to be saved and how to keep my life right with God. When he was strong, something changed in here. Something went awry and amiss. He got too comfortable. He said, I think I'd like to step across the line and do them. I mean, I know I could do as good as David. I could do as good as 
Joe, I can do as good as Clint or Stacy. I know I can. So he comes over into the church one day. Instead of praying about it, he just starts looking for the censer. He wants to burn sacrificial offerings in the tabernacle. Now remember, he's a successful politician. But just because you're successful here doesn't give us right to change things over there. I'm a successful businessman. Doesn't mean you know. Mean you know how to run a family, or run how to run a church, or you know how to run a auto shop, whatever it might be. Here's my opinion, and that's all it is. Preachers should do their best not to be political, and politicians need to keep their nose out of the pulpit. Wow! Hallelujah! Unfortunately, Uzziah didn't get the message. The one thing he could not keep in check was his personal pride. Look what I've done. Nebuchadnezzar thought the same thing. Look what I've done in my hands have built. There really is a lesson learned today. We'll get there. Proverbs 16, 18. Solomon said that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now that's one of those straightforward scriptures that we, you know, should speak to us. Here's what occurred. Uzziah overstepped his divinely appointed role. Was he anointed by God? No question. Was God blessing him? No question. But Uzziah had no authority to do the priest's work in spite of the blessing of God in political realms. His one fatal flaw came to the surface at the peak of his power. Oh, this is so free. This occurs so often. People go straight to the top in their profession. They get bored and they get on drugs and they get on... Leave their good family and abandon their kids. All because they're at the top of their game. And at the peak of his power, this flaw amazingly floats to the surface of Uzziah's life. Remember the word earlier I asked you about success or I talked to you about success? Sounds so good. Everybody loves success stories. Well, success doesn't license you or I to just go about our life and do our own thing. Life is governed by God through a cadence and a timing. There's a rhythm to life. And I'm not trying to be hocus pocus. It wasn't the New Agers that came up with the, with the phrase karma. Sorry, they didn't invite them. But there, there is a karma to life. There really, you reap what you sow. Jesus said it. Paul said it. He had no authority, although he was successful. You want to talk about paradox? Listen to this. I just wrote a few things down. You want to talk about paradox. Success was the thing that caused him to fail. He was weakened by his own strengths. He failed because of his own success. He was destroyed by the very thing that lifted him up. So I said all that to say these few words. Why are these stories in the Bible? Why are these stories in the Bible? Everything I told you was right out of scripture today. No one shouting. Don't even see very many smiles today. I get it. I get it. 
But I, I, woe is me if I don't preach what God tells me to preach, all right? That's all I have to say. The reason those stories are in our, your Bible, my Bible, is so that we can learn from them. So that I don't become a statistic when I was warned about the life of Uzziah. Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. The stories are there to instruct us, Brother Joe. If we don't read, how can we be instructed? If we don't dig, how can we find out what we're supposed to do next? If we don't, if we don't get into the book, how do we know what to avoid or not to avoid in life? So number one, here's what I take out of this story, Brother Rick, of what I should be learning from Uzziah. Number one, be careful how we perceive or define success. You might be the highest paid guy on the job, highest paid lady on the job. And you might, you might have been blessed by the Almighty with that. All good things come from above. I, I, I agree. I agree. But be careful how much you drink that wine and convince yourself into a stupor that your success is all because of your talent, your ability, your giftings. Second thing, Brother Plato, I, I just took, I take out for myself, Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.6, that we should not be a novice about these things. Lest being lifted up with pride, we fall into the condemnation of the devil. Oh, I want someone to hear me today. If you enjoy any element, any dimension of success, the devil is trying to raise up a proud spirit in you today. Remember, God is the author of good, right? So... Thank God for this paycheck. Thank God for this home. Thank God for my health. Thank God for my friends. Thank God for the church. Thank God for anything that is good. It's all his blessing. So we have to be careful how we perceive or define success. And number two, we have to be careful how we worship our successes. What does that mean, Pastor Harry? Be careful how we worship our successes. I'll tell you what it means. In Numbers 21, I'll only show you verse 9, but for your homework, you can look at verses 1 all the way up through 9 later. The Israelites had been complaining to Moses about their condition of life. If God loved us, he'd change this. Why are we hungry all the time? Why are we thirsty all the time? Why are we living in these conditions? And Moses just didn't know what to say. So God got a little upset. Some of you that think God always you know the Old Testament that's in your Bible? If you just carry around a New Testament you're missing so much good stuff. But God got a little fed up. Brother Eugene, in that story God heard the murmurs and the, and the complaints against Moses and he just does something. He sends poisonous snakes ugh, into the camp of Israel. And you loved us. Better watch what you're complaining about. And in your Bible, it says those snakes bit people and some of them died. 
So Moses says, God, help us. God says, get you a rod and make you a brazen serpent and put it on the top of the staff. And put it in the middle of the camp. What movie did you get this from, Pastor Herring? Numbers 21 in your Bible. He says, you put that thing in the middle of the camp. And if the serpents bite them, tell them to get over there and look on that thing. It's a type of Christ and a type of, of, of deliverance and redemption. I don't have time to go there. But he said, you tell them. If they look on it, they'll live. Now, wouldn't you know it? Just fast forward a few hundred years to 2 Kings 18. Now, Hezekiah comes into reign, and these Jews have turned this serpent into a point of worship. Now they're offering sacrifices to the serpent. They're worshiping what was a blessing at one time to them. They're not just commemorating it. They're worshiping it. And Hezekiah came in and said, let's just tear that thing down. Sometimes we look at our success and it becomes more than it's supposed to be in our life. It becomes bigger than it's supposed to be in my heart. And eventually, eventually, if I do something that God is not approved, approving of with that item, God might tear it out of my life. Be careful how we define success and be concerned and careful about how we worship the successes of life. I mean, the Lord gave and the Lord can take away. But Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. All right. want to talk about the right kind of success. And I have one scripture, a couple of comments, I promise you. And about that remark about that grizzly at the bottom of my tree stand. Until May 31st, uh, yeah, I'm going to send him a message, a fiery message. I should know better than to tell this story in front of a certain person. I don't know. But many years ago, I was on 81, and my bait was really hot. I'm sorry if there's not any anti-hunters in here. Just pray for me, all right? But, but I was my bait was really hot, and I was I was seeing a lot of black bear. And one night, uh, one came in, <laughs> and I shot and missed it. All right. There is, buck fever's real, bro, okay, all right? Like, look at the size of that thing. Brother Stacy, is buck fever real or not? Not even going to talk about sitting in the tree stand with you that night, and you had a shotgun, and your dad, well, anyway. It's real. It's real. And uh, a second bear came in another night, and he left as happy as he came. And I made up my mind. I changed my weapon. I went back this third night. And I was, I was, I had everything. 
I looked like the National Guard. I had my 4570, my 12 gauge, my 44. Choose your weapon, right? God is my witness. He, this blackbird comes out of the to my right. He walks right under my tree stand. <laughs> I'm like this. You are going home with me tonight. How do you miss like that? <laughs> How do you miss? That was a long time ago. But that's why I go to the range all winter long now. Because of that big guy's laying down at the bottom of my tree stand, he's going to hear about it. Good success, Joshua 1 verse 8. Check this out. Not just success. Not success that might fool me. Not success that might lullaby me to sleep and, and I might make a bad decision because of it. Joshua said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But you are to meditate therein day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then. Then. Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and you shall have good success. That's the kind of success I want right there. I want word-inspired, God-breathed success in my life. It may not look like money. It may not look like a promotion. It may not look like the score on the scoreboard. But that kind of success is what I'm searching for. The success that cannot be denied in my walk with God. Because it's born out of His Word. Is all success good? Not necessarily. Let's be cautious how we define it, how we deal with it. If you're blessed by it, thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Amen. Just one thing. The one thing. Uzziah forgot about dealing with pride. Just the one thing. You would think he'd have been around enough success and failure that he would have recognized. Do we recognize when those things are rising up in us? I'm about to make a decision here that is contradictory to, to the way I live. I'm, things like that. You feel it, Brother Joe. Should, should I drink that? Uh, sh uh, should I smoke that? Should I look at that? Huh? One thing. The one thing. And a funny thing about that, I will never talk to you about the one thing in my life. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll play bold sometimes and grand and tell you I should stop being so angry and all that. Oh, there's other stuff, though. There's stuff I'll never talk to you about. But it doesn't matter that I talk to you about it. What matters is that I let God deal with me about it. I want success there, Lord. I want success there, Lord. I want success right there, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy today.
for your loving kindness that is better than life, for your helping hand, God, that can strengthen us, turn us, steer us away from the things that are trying to cause me to stumble. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, Lord, that if I have faith and don't doubt, faith over fear and don't doubt the promises of God, I can conquer that through the Lord's help, through the Lord's handiwork, through the Lord's might. We can conquer the one thing, the anger, the jealousy, the bitterness. I can conquer that. I can conquer that with the help of the Lord. He wants to help us today. Jesus' mighty name. Anybody want to come and talk to the Lord for a moment or two? God wants to help us today. Help us with those needs.